The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. At that time, Jesus exclaimed, I give praise to you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, for although you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned, you have revealed them to the little ones. Yes, Father, such has been your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wishes to reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart, and you will find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy and my burden light. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I sent an email out about this a couple weeks ago, but there's been continued fraud uh, messages going out in my name. I'm sure some of you have gotten this, so um, by text or email. I know Father Ralph used to deal with this too, but now they're sending them out through text message too, and apparently I'm asking you for gift cards, so I'm not doing that, so it's not me. All right, but um, yeah, so just ignore that and check and see who it's from. It doesn't, it won't say a number, it'll just say something much, maybe like 717, something like that, so not from me. Last week, I spoke about uh, being prophets. It's part of our calling as Christians. Um, isn't just, isn't just to love God as much as we love him with all of our heart, soul, strength, mind, and being, but it's also to live in this world with him, speaking for him. You know, we are that mouthpiece of God, prophets, aren't people who predict the future, but they're people who speak for the Lord. And we speak for the Lord in places of this world that are fallen and need God's truth with love and gentleness and tenderness, but they need, we need that clarity. We need that truth. Um, God needs to be heard in the world today. And it's really through his body, all of us, through the people of God, through his church, that he wants to speak and that he wants to help clarify things for people, that he wants to invite people to that rest that we heard about today in the gospel, which is in his truth and in his love. In particular, last week I talked about being prophets in the, in the way of um, our Sunday culture. And I talked about it's easy sometimes just to float on that raft down the river. I was imagining myself just kind of like floating down that river. I talked about it's easy to go just and float with the current of the day. It's easy to go just with the culture on everything. And there's going to be certain things that we shouldn't float along with, and we should understand what those are. Sometimes we have to get out of that raft and we have to begin to swim upstream. We have to go against the current. We have to go against the grain sometimes. In our world, we have to be those prophets, not always being liked for what we do or have to say, but we do it because it's the truth and we do it with love and for the greater good. Again, last week I spoke about just like really building that Sunday culture. It's um, become, Sunday just become like another day of the week. Um, so much is being asked of you all and being asked of our world on Sundays. And it's so easy for us just to go along with that. And at some point, we have to think, is this really what God wants? 
Is this really following his commandments? Is this really going to help the world, help my life, help our city, help our parish? And the answer is no. At some point, we have to be prophets. We have to go into that breach. We have to speak the truth. We have to resist sometimes, and we have to make choices for the Lord that might be choices against um, cultural norms or, or things like that. This theme goes along well with something that Bishop Malaysic, our bishop, our ordinary of the diocese, invited all the priests. So I was involved, of course, being a priest of the Diocese of Cleveland. He invited all of us a couple weeks ago. Actually, not invited. He told us to come and he wanted to speak to us. <laughs> Who was I kidding? Um, you know, he, he, he told us, I need you to be here because we need to talk about something important going on in our world today, in our culture, and especially in our state. And it's something that demands us to, again, be prophets with and to speak into. And these particular areas that he brought in a few speakers and spoke to us ourselves and we talked for several hours had to do with the sanctity of human life and with some of the laws that enshrine the sanctity of human life and also um, with some of the transgender movement and some of these different things that are being pushed in a way that he was inviting us to understand and um, actively take a stance on and talk to our people about. So this evening, I'm going to share a little bit of what the bishop had shared with us and with what we heard and share that with you all today. I realize that these topics can be sensitive, and it's not my goal here to create a fire within us, you know, or a, a sharp division. Um, it's my goal to be a good shepherd and to, again, speak gently and tenderly with a fatherly heart out of love for you and out of love for our mission to save souls, and, um, but also to be truthful and with clarity as well. And it's my goal to do that well. From the pulpit, I realize that only one of us is speaking, it's just me. And sometimes it's helpful on difficult topics to have a conversation. I think that's really important. And so I, I, I ask you, please don't be afraid to um, call me or email me. and I'd be happy to set up something where we could talk and converse and hold a conversation if that would help you. As we know, a year ago, about a year ago, Roe v. Wade was overturned, and the power then went to the states to enact laws uh, surrounding abortion. And Ohio happens to be on the hot seat coming up this fall, uh, and there's pro-abortion activist groups like URGE, U-R-G-E, an acronym for this particular group that pour millions and millions of dollars into their campaigning and into their agenda that they're trying to push forward. At this point in Ohio, we have the heartbeat bill. Um, up to six weeks, unfortunately, you know, abortion is permitted or legal, but we, they want to expand that um, to all nine months of pregnancy. And so that's being um, fought for and, and, and lobbied for and is being up for um, that law is being up for being changed within our Ohio Constitution. Urge also, if you research a little bit about what they have to say, they are known for not wanting parent involvement in their children's lives. So they want minors to be able to be able to go out and stroll down to Planned Parenthood and get an abortion and not um, have any parental involvement whatsoever, which is horrifying in the nine-month reality is horrifying as well. 
Urge also is promoting and actively seeking out trying to allow uh, the same minors to be able to undergo a, a quote-unquote sex change or gender treatment therapy, as it's so-called, um, as minors as well, without the consent or discussion of parents, but just out of their own free will and choosing. Um, you can imagine your 12 or 13-year-old child, daughter, say, undergoing you know, uh, medication and puberty blockers and different things, and you have no idea about it, and you find out a year later that they're now declaring to be a boy instead of a girl, and you never even had a chance to talk with them or journey with them or be a good parent and, and things like that. Uh, this is horrifying. That slippery, that slippery slope is real. Once you open that door, now all of a sudden it's flung wide open. It should be obvious that this is not right, that this is something that we can't let happen. This is something we have to pray and fast and go out and vote um, against and we have to speak into and we have to get educated on and we have to learn, learn about. The church has always taken very seriously the sanctity of human life. I know we've heard this before, but it's just worth repeating in this time as the culture does not take that seriously. The sanctity of human life for us is from conception through natural death. And really that right to life is so important because without that, all the other rights don't really matter. If we're not alive or if we're not breathing, then the other ones just become kind of meaningless, don't they? One of my great saint friends and heroes and who I looked up to is, I've spoken about is St. John Paul II. In 1987, he visited the United States and as he was leaving in Detroit, this is the words that he had spoken um, to the people. These are his words. America the beautiful. So you sing in one of your national songs. Yes, America, you are beautiful indeed and blessed in so many ways. But your greatest beauty and your richest blessing is found in the human person, in each man, woman, and child, in every immigrant, and every native-born son and daughter. For this reason, America, your deepest identity and truest character as a nation is revealed in the position you take towards the human person. The ultimate test of your greatness and the way you treat every human being, but especially the weakest and most defenseless ones. The best traditions of your land presume respect for those who cannot defend themselves. If you want equal justice for all and true freedom and lasting peace, then America defend life. All the greatest causes that are yours today will have meaning only to the extent that you guarantee the right to life and protect the human person. And he says, all this will succeed only if respect for life and its protection by the law is granted to every human being from conception through natural death. So John Paul II, again, always making that point that that right to life is so fundamental, so important, it, has to, it really comes as the highest priority for us. If, if that's not there, then, then, then we're in big trouble. Then what else really matters after that point? St. Teresa of Calcutta, another great prophet of our day, like John Paul, um, also spoke beautifully into this um, horror of our day. She won the Nobel Peace Prize years ago, and what I love about her is that she's not just talking the talk and saying a bunch of things, but she's living it. She lived her whole life, or at least that latter part of her life, with the Sisters of Charity in, the, in poverty. She chose to be poor, to live among the poor. She chose to 
um, live like they lived, to smell like they smelled, to, to also that she could, you know, help affirm the dignity of the human person in these people that she served that did not look very dignified, but she affirmed their dignity. She, people covered in filth and maggots and, and all sorts of junk. She was there to assist them, to love them, to remind them that God loves them, to remind them that they're creating God's image and likeness, that their dignity matters, that they can die with dignity, they can have help if that's possible. So she really walked the walk, and because of it, she won the Nobel Peace Prize, and she talked about in her speech just about her service to the poor and God's love for the poor, and she took a different direction at the end of her speech, and she began to speak about this issue of today. So here's somebody who really walked that walk, she says, and I feel one thing I want to share with you all. The greatest destroyer of peace today is the cry of the innocent unborn child. For if a mother can murder her own child in her womb, what is left for you and for me to kill each other? Even in the scripture it is written, even if mother could forget her child, I will not forget you. I have carved you in the palm of my hand. Even if mother could forget, but today millions of unborn children are being killed, and we say nothing. In the newspapers, you read numbers of this one and that one being killed, this being destroyed, but nobody speaks of the millions of little ones who have been conceived to the same life as you and I to the life of God. And we say nothing, we allow it. To me, the nations who have legalized abortion, they are the poorest nations. They are afraid of the little one. They are afraid of the unborn child. And the child must die because they don't want to feed one more child, to educate one more child. The child must die. So she speaks, again, somebody who I think out of anybody in our world just knew the dignity of the person in the most difficult of circumstances turns her attention at this Nobel Peace Prize speech to say that this is the poorest, you know, of the world, is when we legalize abortion in our land. This is the poorest of nations. So she's really calling that out. She's very prophetic in what she's saying, very close to God, very much a prophet. The goal of this is not that, you know, we become self-righteous or we become above other people or we become better in any sort of way, but the goal is always that we help, that we help our world that we help the sinner. We are all sinners in need of God's mercy. I want this church to be filled with people who have committed grave sins and are on the road of redemption and forgiveness and healing. That's what we're here for. That's why the church exists. We all need Jesus. We need his sacrifice for us. We need his love for us. We need his healing mercy. So the goal is not to become self-righteous and judgmental and, and condemning, but it's to speak the truth with love. It's to be, authentically be Christ but to speak, to actively participate, to actually not just go with the current of the culture and some of these grave matters. Ohio isn't, this, this really is the, this is the, the bishop called us because this is on the table right now. And he's asking us to act right now and to pray right now and to fast right now and to, to go out and vote in, in November. They also spoke about issue one, which is, August 8th. This is not a uh, carrying any moral weight in and of itself. So the bishops don't take a stance on it. But it was made clear that, and this is just would take the simple majority of a 51-49 to a 60-40, and if 
if this was passed in August, um, it would make it more difficult for an amendment in November to be to change the Ohio Constitution and to um, further legalize these abortion laws and transgender laws and d issues with minors and, and all these things. And so I encourage your prayer and vote and participation um, in these upcoming elections, and I encourage um, dialogue if that's something you struggle with and we can go deeper and we want to talk and learn more. Please don't be afraid. But let's be prophets. The world needs prophets. It needs us to have courage. We have to step in. We have to speak for the defenseless. We have to speak for the dignity of the person. This is our calling um, as Christians, not to just go with the current. Sometimes we need to resist.